Good morning and welcome to Church at Home with Riverside Online. We're so grateful that you've chosen to be with us this morning and we really hope you enjoy this time. If you are new and joining us for the first time and you'd like us to be in touch with you, won't you head to our website, click on that connect button so that we can be in touch with you. Over the last few weeks, we as a church have really been able to grow our faith at home. Our next-gen space has been particularly busy producing a lot of content for all children of all ages. As a church, won't you click on the next-gen page to have a look at the types of videos our teachers have done to help with discipleship at home. Our little buddies have been challenged just about every week and have produced some incredibly cute videos that are up on Facebook for you to see. Won't you head on over and give them a few likes. Our Velocity teenagers have continued to meet every Friday via WhatsApp groups and Zoom. If for any reason you've missed out on these groups, won't you connect with us and we can help steer you in the right direction. Enjoy this week's message. Hey everyone, so now we know that we're going to be continuing with Church at Home with Riverside Online for a while. And we hope that you have been able to encounter God through His Word at home because His Spirit is still with us and we are still His church, whether we're gathered or scattered. We also thought a venue change is better for this next season. And so we're so glad you're joining us as we go through Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where we're allowing him to do some serious work on our characters during this time. Now, by way of introduction to today's talk, complete this popular saying, Revenge is... Now, I don't know about you, but two things come to me. The first is, revenge is sweet. Now, that normally refers to a situation where someone has wronged you and hurt you and you've been dreaming about ways of getting them back. And then the day finally comes when you get to repay them for what they did to you and it's supposed to feel so good. The other way of completing that statement is revenge is best served cold. Now, what this means is that revenge is best when it's least expected especially when the person has been fearing this act of vengeance. Entire books and movies and TV series have been created around this idea of planning and eventually getting revenge. Now, I know for myself, if I get hurt, even if it's just physically hurt, my initial instinct is to blame somebody and get angry with somebody else, even if it's my own fault. But I think this instinct is also true when people hurt us. Whether they hurt us relationally, they take from us, or in a worst case scenario, where they even take the life of a loved one. You see, when we're hurting, we feel like there's been an injustice, and often there has been. So we're angry, and we're hurt, and we want justice, and therefore somebody's got to pay. And it is into these very personal, very real, and very painful scenarios that Jesus is going to speak today. So let's read Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42, where he says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, 
Let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one kilometer, go with him two kilometers. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Okay, now if we don't understand this passage well, we're going to fall into the common trap of believing that the Old Testament God was this angry, vengeful tyrant, while Jesus of the New Testament is full of grace and love. You see, when Jesus refers to this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth idea, he is referring to the Old Testament. But here's what's going on here. This idea of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was under the banner of civil law. Remember, Israel didn't have some religious people trying to be good citizens while living in a secular state like us. Their law had huge chunks of civil law in it that were aimed at helping the courts govern with justice. In some other ancient cultures, and we actually even see this today in some autocratic cultures, but punishments is kind of arbitrarily handed out without regard to the crimes. And so often the punishments far exceeded the crimes. And this was unjust. So these laws were intended as a means of making restitution equivalent to the loss. In fact, there are similar laws in the Old Testament that do not necessarily push for a literal eye for an eye understanding, but rather look for other ways of compensation, even financial compensation for the loss. And so these laws were aimed at the courts and in fact actually discouraged people from taking justice into their own hands. For example, Leviticus 19 verse 18 says very clearly, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't that sound familiar? Well, it seems though that by the time we get to Jesus, many people had started using these laws in the realm of personal relationships, taking revenge into their own hands and quoting the Bible to justify their actions. Now, maybe you've seen on the school playground what happens when people take justice into their own hands. Well, you hurt me, so I've got to hurt you, but I bring my mates. And then you hurt me back by bringing your mates and your cousins. And so we get this downward spiral of vengeance that hurts more and more people at every level. But this doesn't only happen in the schoolyard. We see this in families, we see this in businesses, we see this in lawsuits and even in churches. And so Jesus says, no, no, you missed the point. And then he gives four little cameos from what would have been their common life situation. These are not meant to be four new points, but four real life examples to make the same point. He says, firstly, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other. Now, to understand this, you need to picture this in your mind. So if I strike you on the cheek and you turn the other cheek, that means that my next blow is a backhand blow. And that was and still is in many cultures, not just about the physical pain of the blow, but it's the insulting blow. It's meant to be demeaning. Now, Jesus did this right. He was physically harmed. He could have retaliated in different ways, but he didn't. Then, secondly, he says, if someone sues you for their tunic, give them your cloak as well. Now, the tunic was the inner garment that most people wore, and the cloak was like the expensive outer garment. And so Jesus is saying, instead of defending yourselves or seeking retaliation, reverse this whole dynamic and actually give to this person who is trying to take from you. 
The third picture is where someone from the military had every right to get you to carry their luggage for a mile or to get you to do some other menial task for them. So Jesus says, yes, do it, but then serve them by going the extra mile. Finally, the fourth picture is of someone who begs from you or who seeks to borrow something from you, even if you know they have no intention of paying you back. So he says, give gladly. And again, Jesus lived all this out. He gave his life when things were taken from him. He was falsely accused. He went the extra mile to love and serve his enemies. He gladly gives and gives, even though so many people see him simply as someone to take from. Now I know because this stuff runs so contrary to many of our natural instincts and what makes sense to us, we respond, really Jesus, do you really mean that? And here's what I think many people wrongly assume about Jesus' teachings. People, maybe you, become worried that Jesus is teaching us to become a doormat and not to care about justice. But here's the thing, Jesus is teaching neither. You see, a doormat is someone who, through lack of confidence and fear, allows people to walk all over them. Whereas Jesus is calling us to have such a high confidence in God and in His justice that we are set free to love those who even seek to hurt us. So Charles Spurgeon, when commenting on this passage, he says, We are to be as the anvil when bad men are the hammers. Now a resilient anvil is very different to a fearful doormat. So Jesus is warning us about a lack of love in these verses, not a lack of courage. The other thing you may be worried about is that Jesus is calling us not to care about justice. But we know he cannot mean that because his word clearly says in 1 Peter 2.14 that governors and authorities are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So this takes us right back to the Old Testament where it is the role of the courts and the authorities to execute judgment. And so he's saying, let the courts do what the courts are supposed to do. But as far as you go, you do not take personal revenge. In fact, love and serve those who have harmed you. So Jesus is not against the right administration of justice. But he is against us taking the law into our own hands. Let me get very real here with an example that is current for us at the moment. Gender-based violence and domestic violence are very real issues in our world and our country. And so a bad reading of the scripture may lead some to think that if you're a recipient of this kind of violence, that you're powerless as a Christian to respond. Rather, I think this and similar passages are saying, yes, get out there if you're in danger and seek justice through legitimate and legal means. But don't take the law into your own hands. But also trust God who will one day hold everyone to account. Then trust and allow God to take you on a journey of healing and forgiveness where you even begin seeking the good of the person who has caused you so much harm. Okay, so maybe you're not running around trying to slash people's tires who have hurt you or wreck people's reputations who have insulted you. But if we're going to be consistent with the message of the Sermon on the Mount thus far, we've got to recognize that the spirit of revenge is ultimately a heart issue and Jesus wants to address and transform our hearts. And so maybe revenge for you is a bit of a fantasy. I mean, you know you'll never really act it out. But in your mind, I mean, 
you've planned this out and, you, and you've played this out the hundred times and the hundred kinds of scenarios where you get your own back and even in your mind it feels so good. Or maybe you take pleasure when someone who has hurt you or taken from you goes through a tough time themselves and something inside of you goes, yes, well, they, they deserved that. But isn't that where the gospel comes in? Imagine Jesus gave us what we deserve. I mean, the way the world works and the way these revenge cycles work is you get what you deserve. But then grace comes and intercepts and upsets all of that by saying, Jesus got what you deserved so that you can get what you don't deserve. And then the whole Christian life is based on us getting and understanding exactly what it is that God did for us in Jesus Christ. And then us going out and doing to others what God has done for us. And so let's start off by getting honest with our vengeful hearts. Bringing them before God. Because maybe there are people in your life who you wish, if you're honest, that somehow the universe would bring them harm and loss. And again, we're differentiating here between genuine justice on one hand, which we can pray for and should pray for, and on the other, a personal vendetta of revenge in our hearts. And then let's ask God for a clear view of His gospel, of how He has treated us in Christ, so that that can begin a process of transforming our hearts, which can set us free to love those who may have hurt us. I want to end by reminding you of the powerful story of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused of rape, and abandoned by the very people he helped in prison. Much later, he was elevated to the second most powerful position in Egypt, just under Pharaoh. Now, years later, his brothers, the same brothers who had caused him so much harm, were standing before him, not recognizing him. At this point, Joseph had the power to destroy them, to torture or even kill them had he wished, to pay them back for what they had taken from him. I wonder at that point what so many of us would have done in the same position. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. I want to encourage you to spend some time now in prayer as you bring your heart to the Lord and as you bring those who may have harmed you to Him as you are transformed by the gospel and as He works a new heart in you. But following that, we also want to encourage you today to spend some time today praying for our nation on this National Day of Prayer. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. And if you're wanting to connect with us in the week, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and our church app, Oikos. Have a great week.